0: You got to accentuate the positive. Whoa! I feel good. A bit of feel, feel, feel good
1: goes a long way. Welcome to ATP Radio. I'm your host, Karen
0: Swain, teacher
1: of deliberate creation, showing you how to accentuate the positive, the way to a better life.
0: Your radio station is an example of the future existing right now. Clap along if you feel like that's what you want.
1: Hello and welcome to another hour, Accentuating the Positive, here on Soul Traveller Radio. I'm your host, Karen Swain. I'm a teacher of deliberate creation, a channel and a medium, channeling wisdom from my guides and broader perspective whom I've called Blissful Beings on Accentuate the Positive, you'll hear conversations with open hearts and inspired minds. It's my intent to put more love out through our media. It's so important to have a media diet that uplifts you, empowers you and reminds you of who you really are instead of a lot of the media that we get that puts you in fear. So this is why I present the show. I've got some wonderful guests lined up for you. Please subscribe and support positive for media. You can stay up to date with the show on Accentuate the Positive Radio with Karen Swain on Facebook or go to karenswain.com and you'll see most of the podcasts there. Welcome to another show accentuating the positive here on soul traveller radio so great to be with you again i just love talking with inspirational people and i'm about to introduce you to another one open hearts and inspired minds i call them awakening consciousness joanna ferrari is an activist inspirational speaker a difference maker and what else can i call her and gorgeous (laughs) But, you know, no labels. <laughs> Hi, Joanna. Welcome to the show. Hello, and how are you doing? I'm fantastic. Listen, a friend of mine texted me on Facebook and said, check out Joanna's TEDx talk. She just did a TEDx talk down in Melbourne, I don't know, a few weeks ago now, yeah. talking about the secret self. Yes. Uh, I'd love to explore this a bit more because I think that all of us have a secret self, Yes. And um, really this conversation is, is is going to be about getting over fear, getting over fear of being judged, of ridicule, of seeming like you don't fit into the box. It's such a big
0: fear. It's such a big fear, Joanna. It's definitely a big fear. And it's it's really not one that's explored. It's actually one that people have a tendency to push off and think that it's for other people and not for them so
1: well yeah when you say it's not explored I think that you know Brene Brown has been doing a great job of exploring it yes her talks about shame you know we all have something that we feel ashamed of that we don't want to expose or maybe there is a part of us that we feel is fabulous but we can't expose that
0: because we won't fit in exactly it's such a big conversation. Yeah, and you know the thing is that it's um it's not that we don't fit into the whole world. It's that we don't. We're afraid we're not going to fit into our real world, our world, the immediate world around us anymore. Um, at least for me, that was a, that was a really big fear. Especially because when you make any kind of a big decision in your own life and people know you one way and you make a decision to, for example, change jobs or even leave a marriage, or in my case, transition my gender. Well, initially your world goes, oh my God, that's wrong. That's no, that's bad. That's not good. And they actually move away from you until they can kind of self-adjust before they come back in. So Yeah. When I say that we don't explore it a lot, we explore it internally over and over and over 15 million times, right? Mm -hmm. But we let such little taste of it out into the world to just kind of test the waters, but we don't really explore it by letting ourselves fully express it.
1: Yeah. Well, let's delve into your story, shall we? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What was happening when you started to first explore your secret self? that you now show the world?
0: Okay. Well, I actually knew about my secret self, which was that I was female from the time I was four and a half years old. Wow. I knew from an extremely young age. And it's it's pretty common um, when somebody is going through a transition of gender that they feel out of sorts with themselves. But I always knew my name was was Joe because when I would play with my sisters and I had more dolls than they did, by the way, <laughs> they would or we'd play dress up, they would always call me Joe or Joanne. And I did it teasingly, but it stuck. And I knew it was right. Cause sometimes people echo back to us our truth, right? Uh-huh. Um, And so from a very, very young age, I knew and, you know, going through school, I'd see girls wearing their school uniforms because I went to Catholic school and I wanted that uniform. You know, I always snuck around trying on women's clothes, but that was so that I could actually feel my femininity, not so that I could just, you know, wear those kind of clothes. So there was a lot going on inside that I, I didn't understand. And growing up at the time that I grew up, you know, you weren't really allowed to to talk about something like that. So I grew up, you know, in the 60s and 70s, and that was definitely a major no-no to talk about, you know, or grow up being a boy and say, no, no, I'm really a girl.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it was a no-no. and And how times have changed because, uh, you know, I've got my niece staying with me at the moment. She's 18. She's just finished school. And she's like, oh, yeah, we've got a kid at school. They're transgender. It's like that generation is like, yeah, you know, cool, that's just life, that's just someone's choice, no biggie, you know, no biggie.
0: Yeah, absolutely. (laughs)
1: Like how exciting is that? I mean, really.
0: I think it's fantastic. You know, it's it's a beautiful thing that there's such um, so many people able to come out at such a young age. Um, and they have a very different challenge when they come out, you know, that much younger. They get a lot of acceptance and there's a lot more social support. They still have the pressures, but then... Um, Because the rest of society is looking at them, you know, young, and they still have to go through and abide by a lot of the laws that are still changing to provide for them. They don't always have the skill then. To be able to, to deal with a lot of the challenges. And so you see a lot more dysphoria going on in, in younger transgender or even in, you know, kids who are just what they call queer questioning, right? So it's, it's a really interesting time, though. It's all kinds of change.
1: So change, yeah, we're in an extreme time of change right now. I mean, we're going through huge changes. It's happening in our relationships. It's happening personally. It's happening in in the environment. It's happening in the money system. It's happening in politics We're we're going through this huge transition, this shift. Yeah. and dealing with change is something that a lot of people stress about whether they're changing their marriage their jobs look the change of like I said to you this morning we had a chat this morning I've had a couple of friends just like bang drop dead this mm. and then you know that sort of change You you know your partner's there one minute and then not the next because they've transitioned I call that a transition when you transition out of this body into another you know place so mm change is the order of the moment
0: right now. (laughs) (laughs) It sure is. To me, I, I think that there's so many people that have such a problem with the word change because we don't realize that, you know, we think that it's when change is happening, that things are falling apart. And in reality, for you to have what you want, things need to fall aside. The things that you're not going to use or aren't going to be useful to you, including people around you who will prevent you or keep you from being able to fully go through that change, they have to fall aside so that you can actually come together. And it's a really difficult thing to accept when you're right in the middle of it. And that's what makes change so difficult. But if you realize that, you know, everything is always changing, and you know, they say it's that's the one constant that you can count on, right? Is change. Yeah. If we would could learn to accept that, we would be, you know, and face it with a little more curiosity. I don't think that we'd have as much, you know, challenge with it. And we'd actually get to what we want a lot faster. <laughs> yeah. Yep.
1: Yep, yep. So your uh, transition, your change, happened only three years ago. You yes. waited a few years. I did. But you didn't do it when you are a teenager or a kid. I mean, you know, you see on the internet now parents just totally allowing their six-year-old to dress in women's clothes or dress in boys' clothes. I mean, yeah. even Angelina Jolie, you know, she has a little girl who dresses like a man and uh, yeah. and so you know, that is, it's just, you know, radical acceptance. Acceptance is just so. Yeah. Why did you wait so
0: long? That's a great question. I mean, you know, it's simple and complex. We'd certainly need a bunch of hours to to go through the, the real depths of it, but to make it simple, you know, we're, we're taught a model. So when we when you're born and you're pronounced male or pronounced female, we lose fifty percent of our world of our potential because, as a boy, you don't touch things that are female or that are supposed to be for girls, and when you're pronounced female, you do the same thing about you know male things, and so you know it becomes kind of taboo, um, and so we live this fifty percent life, right? And it just took me a very long time to go, hey, wait a minute, that's not really female. That's just expressing myself more fully. That's expressing my energy and who I really am. And the biggest reason that I didn't do it Was even though I knew that it was me and I knew it was my energy, was not because of anything I was feeling inside, except for that I knew that my outside world was going to have a real problem with it. You know, I mean, I was a 120 kilo bodybuilder, I was this massive guy, right, who was doing powerlifting and, you know, very macho, very driven, very alpha. And to then say to the world, um, no, I'm not that guy. You know, I'm actually this woman and people go, Oh, right. Sure. You know, but then when they saw it really happen, they went boom and moved away. So I was mostly afraid of the things that I was going to hear, you know, being called gay or people losing respect for me or credibility. And I didn't want to deal with all of those labels and, um, It was really the biggest reason why I didn't. You know, I have three kids and I was married for 20 plus years. So, you know, when you're doing pretty great financially in the world, great career, and you've got a great marriage and things going, and then all of a sudden you come out with something like this, it changes your world radically. And I wasn't sure that I was ready for it or that my world was either.
1: Yeah. Look, yeah. It's scary. You know, I get it. It's like totally scary, especially yeah. when you're a successful business person Yeah, and everyone, you know, looks to you for that success, because I think the world is obsessed with success, meaning money. Sure. And so if you're, you know, you've got the family and the house and the money and the career, then you're a success. Exactly. But how many people have got all that and they're not allowing their secret self, like whatever that is. Yeah. So they're not successful because success equals happiness. You know, I I was just at a funeral. There's been gonna be a few of them this month. And interestingly enough, we're at a gravesite. I've never been to a funeral where we're actually at the gravesite and they're lowering the anyway. And a beautiful young girl stood up and read and she just read about success and it was just like if you're happy, if you make others happy, if you make a difference, if you've loved, and all those things, oh, it makes me cry, but all those things that, you know, didn't mean you had a great career or you had lots of money or you had a big house or, you know. Yes, uh, yes. I mean, she said then you've, you've lived a life of success. And it was just like when you're standing at a gravesite, right, it just really hammers the message home. Yes. So,
0: But that is, that is your secret self. Those type of things, being happy being me became the most important thing that I could do. So, you know, if if somebody watches my video, they'll hear me talk about the fact that I I actually went through a lot of challenges um, as soon as I started into my transition. So, you know, I had problems with the, the hormones and, you know, they were shutting my body down. My liver got exhausted. My adrenal glands shut down and I had to come off the hormones. And I kept thinking, I can't go back. I can't go back and be a boy, you know, and I got really, really depressed and, I spent my first Christmas, you know, alone and contemplated for a day committing suicide, you know, to actually end it. Um, but that's that's all part of not being able to relate to that definition of success that you're talking about. It was so related to, you know, I'm not going to be a success anymore. How am I going to be accepted in business? How could people possibly love me? for what I'm going through, because I hadn't actually learned, as you and I talked about this morning, I hadn't actually learned to love myself yet. I haven't learned, now I have, to accept myself, to believe in who I am, you know, and and to trust, to trust again, um, because you don't think that the world will ever understand, you know, and so you actually strive for those things called success. But you get to the point where, at least I did. I had seventy nine cents in the bank account because my businesses did fall apart. Okay. You know, um, my my world fell apart. I lost my my support. But with seventy nine cents in the bank, I had a couple of clients, potential clients that I was looking at working with. And you know what was really interesting? This is the first time I got an experience of being female in business. Yeah. They wanted me to take. 50% less money that I would normally make doing business coaching and consulting. Because and, you are now, that's wild. I'm yes, sorry, right? That, that is wild. But, but here's the wow. thing. Wow. So here's where I actually started relating to the new definition of success you were just talking about. I said to both of those clients, and here I am sitting with 79 cents in my bank account, I said to both of them, no. I would refuse to work with someone like that, someone who will actually demean my work. My work will never have the value to them that you know it i knew it still had so that was really learning that was my first lesson in being happy with me and that i don't have to take on that old definition that my boy used to drive to levels of success before and that was a really big turning point for me because then i started to realize huh you know if it's not really money that makes you happy what is it And that's when I really started delving into the the secret self and realizing that it was the ability to be able to stand up to your world, to live the way that you want to live, the way that you know you are, because I believe it's intelligent. And to face the music, so to speak, you know, because I guarantee you when you decide you're going to be your secret self and let it out into the world, you're going to face a lot of confrontation. And I did, but it's really the ability to get through that. That's the secret. It's not, you know, the actual goal. It's being willing to face that and stay true to your heart.
1: Hallelujah, darling. Look, another thing that I love about you being in your 50s when you decided to you know bring out the secret self or transition from one gender to another was that it shows anyone that's in their 50s that you can do anything and Um, and and you don't like this is what I loved about what was her name that singer that was on the X Factor that she was a middle-aged woman and fat middle-aged woman, and she became this mega star Su- Susan. Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> anyway, and that success can happen at any age, you know, no. at any age. It can be 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. It can be at as a teenager, but age, gender, that nothing. there's nothing, there's nothing to stop you.
0: you there know? isn't. Still... Nothing to
1: stop you doing what you want to do, being the person that you want to be. And having what you want to have,
0: you know, there's... Yeah. Well, energy doesn't know an age. Age is very human, right? Yeah. So to me, there's actually three stages that you, you really go through. And the first one, the first stage is when you're going through this conflict and everybody has it. Who am I supposed to be? Who am I being told I should be? All those different conflicts. And if we don't face them in our world, right, we end up living them inside forever. They become this endless battle and conflict internally. And so, you know, you have to really learn to kind of take that apart. But if we don't do that, we get stuck in that and we start putting age on that very, very easily. Um, But when we go into a period of transition or or considering transition, that's when we start to really allow ourselves to, to pop in and out of who we're really being. And we actually lose time. You lose you lose male and female, you start to peel off more of these labels, right? And when you get to that point, it feels really good. And unfortunately, it can feel so good and so different and so much better than conflict that a lot of people will stay there. And they'll stay in that transition and never move to the third level, which is actually called transformation. And transformation doesn't mean that you've made it. But transformation is when you actually get to step outside of yourself a little bit and be a little bit more objective. You're not just sitting in that transition loop, you know, and you're not stuck just in conflict. So it gives you a way to be a little bit more objective and to, yeah, just peel more of those labels off so you don't feel like you have to be, you know, everything like that. And it doesn't have an age. There's no age. At this point... I really feel like I'm more in my late 30s, early 40s because my energy has shifted so dramatically. And that's what I think is so great about transition. You
1: know, it's so interesting because uh, I'm just thinking of some of the the do's and don'ts of male and female. You talked about that before.
0: Yeah.
1: Here's the thing. Women in general are allowed to be more masculine than than men are allowed to be feminine because we can wear jeans and t-shirts and jackets and you know we can look like a guy and it's totally accepted. Like I, yeah. I don't, I don't remember the last time I put a skirt on. You know, like I never wear dresses <laughs> skirts. But at the same time, age is really a woman's agenda. So you know, you see newsreaders on television. It's okay for a man to be older, but all the women are usually the younger ones, you know, (laughs) and you've decided to transition as an older person rather than a younger person where women are endlessly worried about their age and their looks. It's so Um, crazy.
0: It's a lot of fun though. I mean, when you get to your mid fifties, you know, you're kind of just you don't really care as much what other people are thinking. Well, totally. Yeah. You know, so and and you you do. You've got a lot more smarts, and and you typically have some good skills. You know, you have resourcefulness. I think in your fifties, if you're if you're really looking at yourself truthfully, um, and that's that's what I loved about it. But it was it was actually it wasn't just a you know, hey, I'm going to do this you know, I got to 53 and I was having some really big personal challenges. And I went, to, I went to a party of a friend who only knew me as Joanna because, you know, I had been cross-dressing for yeah. like three years prior and I'd never really, you know, dressed before that a lot. Yeah. Um, so I went to this party and it was so interesting because I had not been out dressed for over a year. And I saw how many people were loving and accepting me as Joanna. And I went, that's it. The next day I contacted, you know, my GP and um, also got a hold of a psychologist. And I just I made the decision that I was going to do this. But it came about because, you know, I got tired of the conflict. And I thought, you know, if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? you know and i think that's a timeless question you know yeah. you can do it and they are as you mentioned earlier they're doing it at a lot younger ages and parents are are actually being more open to it you know
1: yeah yeah totally
0: i just think the kids of our
1: generation are just braver than we were you know they're just as you say in your mid 50s you don't give a rip what anyone thinks anymore but the thing is that i think that kids don't either you know like the kids coming in are just more connected to their sense of purpose and being Maybe we were too, but at some point we got talked out of it. You know, we just got talked out of it.
0: Yeah, well, I think for for me, um, there's a part of ourselves that I call our learned self. Yeah, And and that, to me, learn self is, you know, our we have parents and teachers and authorities who said, you know, this is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, in some families, you know, they were like, this is what you're doing. <laughs> and this is unacceptable. So a lot of the rules were laid for us. And so, you know, there was still a lot more, yep, I'll go along with what I'm being told. And so a lot of people did that. Um, but in this day and age, you know, I think that what you're seeing is a lot more older generations looking at younger generations and laying so many rules on them and nothing to them is really, we don't ever say to the younger generations, you're doing such incredible things you know, we actually say, that's wrong. It's not like what we used to do, right? And so I think that they've gotten to the point where they're like, well, I'm damned if I do, I'm damned if I don't, so I'm doing it, you know? And I think that's really, really good because out of their frustration has come so much incredible innovation and just so many wonderful risk takers, you know, the sense of of needing so much certainty has sort of left that younger generation. And they're left to play more freely and more fully express themselves. They get your secret self like this, you know, yeah. they don't hide it very easily at all, you know. So that's pretty cool. I agree. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. You know, I've I've got another question to ask you too about, you know, being female versus male, the difference that you feel. One, one thing you said was somebody wanted to pay you half of what they paid you before. Oh, yeah. What other difference did you find being female versus male?
0: That's a great question. You know, um, a lot of times now when I go out to do presentations, you know, get a lot of women's groups or corporations will want me to come in and actually talk about it because I do a presentation called Crossing the Gender Line. And um, I've actually gone in with myself and, you know, maybe one or two other um, uh, trans women and one or two trans men. And we go in and we talk about those differences. what happens when you cross that gender line right. because i, I don 't think a lot of people actually see it until they hear it from a, a third party perspective yeah and um, so for example, you know women 've always thought that there was this boys club, and there is there is a boys club, you know in the boys club um, i didn 't actually recognize it until I lost my card, you know. <laughs> So when you lose your membership card, you're like, oh, I I didn't even know what privileges I had, you know? So, but, you know, so like in the, in the boys club, you know, you could drink the same beer and you could do business deals just because of that, you know? Uh Uh-huh. The other thing was having been male and having been an alpha male. Uh Uh-huh. Um, I was always driven because I was at an executive level. I'd had PAs. Once I actually crossed the trans, you know, into the gender line in, in my transition, I called a couple of them up and I actually had to apologize for them because I realized what an ass I had actually been to them. I was doing on that side what, you know, I was experiencing on this side. And I thought, how awful you know, women don't actually have a voice. And I think that, unfortunately, it's become an accepted concept that, you know, oh, you know what, I'm not going to be taken seriously anyway. And so what you see is some women who actually do get bigger in business, pardon the expression, but they grow a pair of balls, you know, and they start acting much more male. And and that's not really what's necessary, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. But but you do see that. And so, the thing that hasn't really come to fruition, and this is what we say to women, is women don't support women very well at all, you know, right. and that's what you see. So there's two, the analogy is this. If if I'm a guy and I'm an alpha, um, I've got a set of emulators, right, who are like, you know, oh my God, you're so great. This is so awesome. And then a guy also has challengers and challengers are like, oh, I can be better than you. I can do this, you know, I can do that. But both of those groups keep the alpha driven, moving forward, keeping going, right? And that's what makes the alpha work. But on the female side, the female side is more like, you know, um, a group of geese flying south, right? And they're going to a destination and they definitely are going to get there because they have a plan. And what they do is, you know, one will be at the front and then they'll go for a while and they'll get tired and they start moving, you know, to the back. And so they rotate and they actually do support each other in that way. But the one that's at the front, okay, doesn't hear the two at the back going, oh my God, she just thinks she's so much better at directing us in this way. And getting us there. And so there's this little bitchiness that happens, you know, at the back of the pack. But then she comes to the the one at the front, comes back to the back, and like, oh my God, that was so good. You know, so there's this little bit of falsehood that happens on this side. And when I've told that to women, they just start laughing because they're like, oh my God, yeah, because you sort of then start recognizing it, right? (laughs) But, you know, men and women have very different energies. And the sooner we realize it's not. You know, we can never be equal. You know, men can't actually be the same as women and women can't be the same as men. It's even in my situation, I don't actually call myself a woman because I didn't go through what you went through to get to womanhood, right? But I am female and that's the difference, you know? But um, it's a really interesting concept and there's so many different things that you have to realize, you know, men will jump into things just because it's there. And women won't do that. You know, it has to be very calculated. It's much more calculated. Um, But women do know that if they go for certain things, they better be prepared to do a great job because they are going to be scrutinized 10 times more than any man ever would. Exceptions get made. So, and I know that those sound very stereotypical, but those have been real experiences.
1: Well, I think that all this is very true, probably in mainstream corporate world, probably in my arena, in the sort of new age healing arena. It's a little different, but You know, I'm thinking of Hillary Clinton. I had a conversation with Stephen Dynan from the Shift Network and he wrote a book called Sacred America, Sacred World about the political environment of the world, really, but specifically of the US. And, you know, the fight for the top job, you know, there is a woman fighting for that top job. Yeah. And what we discussed was really similar to what you're saying, I said, well, my criticism of her is that, you know, great, she's a woman, but why does she have to be so masculine, like so male and and alpha male in order to get that top job? And then he said, well, I don't think America would accept their leader being anything less. You know, it has to have that energy, that male energy. And, And then he said that as a woman doing that, the criticism, the ridicule is just, Ten, like a hundredfold worse sure. than the man. And yeah. so,
0: yeah, not easy being a female in that arena. It's not. And to learn it in a short space of time versus going through it has probably been a benefit for me because I think when you grow up male or grow up female, you know, you tend to accept certain things as part of... Part of your journey. And for me, you know, crossing that gender line and starting a different journey as female versus male, well, the rules are really different. And I really had to learn them and figure out, you know, what does a woman do? What is acceptable? What's not acceptable? And not fall into, you know, the stereotype of being a woman. When I'm doing business now and I'm I'm teaching executives how to overcome personal obstacles or how to do communication, they're looking at me the, and they'll make a comment sometimes, right? Like, oh, well, you you know this because you know you were you were male. And you know what? It's very true. There are some things that I've had to bring over, some of the skills that I had that I'll never get rid of, like You know, just taking a risk is a very, much more of a uh, a male-dominant thing. Now, I'm not saying male in the sense of man. I'm saying male in the sense of an energy. So you think that the difference
1: is, I've got to to say, uh, when I look at the world, when I look out at the world, I don't think male or female. I think person. I think person and personality. The only difference that personally I see is the whole, sexual energy, the whole hormonal thing. And and something interesting that you said in your TEDx talk too or, or one of your talks was that as soon as you took your hormones, you know, or um, you had an operation or something, that whole sex drive just left you.
0: Oh, completely. So, oh my gosh, I mean, man.
1: that's how I see the difference between male and female because men are driven by this sort of sex drive whereas women are not. You know, they're, they're driven, I think they're more driven about being loved and accepted as opposed to lust,
0: you know, like well, believe it or not, the that that libido is not is not just in the groin it's it's actually it's in the brain yeah yeah so it's not and and so the 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 act of the physical act of sex is actually just a release it's not the actual place where you're feeling the tension you're feeling the tension in all parts of your body and mostly in the mind because when i first went on to hormones my brain went like this and just centered and i was like oh my gosh, then the world looked completely different and it felt completely different because I wasn't thinking through that That constant drive, that constant, you know, wanting to, having to, not even wanting to, do things, you know, to do it, I have to, I have to, is kind of the way that that male brain thinks. And so, you know, and ownership is really important to that male, that, that sense of testosterone, you know it's a very strange thing. You know, um, a friend of mine said, it's probably the, the, the greatest poison on the planet. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, when you, when you switch to the feelings that are associated with estrogen, again, it's a huge energy shift. And that's, that was really, really exciting for me to To be able to have that that opportunity to feel that difference, you know, so it's three years now, two and a half years actually on hormones and the world looks completely different. I think completely different, even in taking tests. I used to take an IQ test and um, different types of tests all the time because I like to put myself to the test. Mm -hmm. On this night, I did one less than a year ago, and, I, and you're going to laugh, but my IQ points went up five points. <laughs> and it's true. <laughs> Women are smarter. <laughs> well,
1: uh, let's put it this way, less distracted. I remember asking my ex-husband, I, I read something or saw something somewhere where it said that men think about sex every two minutes. And I looked at him and I said, is that true? And he goes, Yeah. <laughs>
0: If a man could wait two minutes, hold on to him, okay?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so (laughs) looking at the world through... Less, you know, sex drive. Yeah. And I guess it's, yeah, you're not as, you're not as fogged up. You're not as distracted. You can kind of get on with stuff without having to think about where am I going to get my next
0: route from? Believe me. You know, what's, you know, what's really interesting though, is that the, and and I know this isn't a sex therapy show, but, you know, the, the female sex drive, guys have no idea. It is so much stronger it is. It's an unbelievable drive. I mean, once you're in it, it's like you are in it, right? <laughs> but it's very, very different. You actually feel it differently in the body. It's um, mm-hmm. it's not. It's not directed towards the you know, the groin or the genitals. It's actually, you know, throughout the body, which is a really interesting concept, isn't it? Hmm. Well, for you, maybe not. <laughs> Hi. You know what? I'll be honest. I love it.
1: <laughs> I mean, an interesting concept. It's just, yeah, it's just how it is. But, yeah, how, how beautiful to be able to explore that in one lifetime. You know, usually for most souls we have to explore being male or female in different mm. lifetimes, you know, and then obviously when you come back in you don't remember. I actually always thought it was this huge cosmic joke even as a young girl, that I looked so feminine. Like there's nothing masculine about the way I look, Mm. but I never actually felt that feminine my my whole life. Like I really sort of felt maybe probably in the way I think I felt more. Like I remember John, John, men are from Mars. What's his name? John John Gray. Gray said that, you know, men when you have a conversation with them, they want to give you a solution. They want to find the solution. But women just want to talk to you and just complain. And he yeah. said a group of women will sit around and just talk about their problems and no solutions will be injected. And men will just talk about, well, this is what you've got to do and you've got to do this and you've got to do that. And, oh, and sure. I, and I remember thinking, no, nah, I don't. You know, the way I, I like, I'm solution oriented. So that's okay. more of a male thing too, I think. I don't want to talk about my problems. I want to talk, like, let's find the solution.
0: <laughs> you know, I really find that, and it's really funny. So my ex-wife and I have kind of switched roles now. So, you know, she'll call and I'll be like a little bit grumpy or, you know, something's going on and and, and I'll talk to her. And all of a sudden she's coming up with three or four solutions. I said, what are you doing? I thought you were just going to be my girlfriend. <laughs> Not, not my new husband, you know? <laughs> and it's kind of funny. But here's an interesting question for you. If I took that same book and it didn't say men are and women are, it just said, here's two different types of people. Mm-hmm. We would take the labels off of it. We would take the male and female label off of it. But do you know what the human being does? We would put two new labels on it. We would call it something very different again. And it's because, you know, labels and you know even male and female are nothing more than just an identity. Yeah. You know that we actually hide behind. So when I took the label transgender off of me, when I said, you know, transgender to me is not who I am or what I am. Yeah. It's simply the process that I have to go through and I said, Shh, I tore that label off. So don't call me transgender. Yeah. People were like, "So what 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 do we call you?" Yes. Yeah. Joe, you call me Joe, okay? I'm Joanna, you know, or hey, human, you know? But um, when I did that, though, and this is the interesting thing, is that when you tear a label off of yourself and you say it publicly, you've torn the label off for a lot of other people and they go back and they're trying to sew that label back on because, you know, um, a lot of people hide behind an identity that they've created. You know, my name was John. Um, in my boy life, my first life, as I call it, and that identity that I had, I was a great boy, you know that 's how I knew I could do acting, <laughs> but you know I was always trying to to keep that identity pieced together, and so many people spend their entire life just trying to keep that identity sewn together instead of letting it fall off so they can show the world who they really are and that's again the secret self the secret self yeah. isn't a goal it's not you know something that you you know are going to be or do or have or create it's the ability to be able to to let that truth come out. That's really the secret. The goal of being, doing, having, or creating is really just the Oedipus to get it out of you because that's what the brain will think. That's what we're actually given so that as a known item that we can use to start to actually feel our secret self because you can't think it, you know what I mean? Oh, look, totally. I, I,
1: you know, as you're talking about the secret self, I'm just thinking soul. I'm just thinking soul. Yeah. I remember once, you know, some guru years ago talked about how in this environment, the human environment, we come to explore separateness. Mm. And and the way we do that is by labelling. So as soon yeah. as you label something, and he was saying, you know, as soon as you call a tree a tree, it's then different to the bush and now it's separate. Yes. So so labels is a way of creating separateness. Because who we are as soul is oneness. Yeah. And from our perspective, because we are so separate conscious, you know, we're like you, me, we're different, boy, girl, you know, tall, short, old, young, you know, there's Mm. Our whole life is set up with uh, labeling and separateness. And- but,
0: but there are different types of labels. So what I've come to to know about labels is this. There are labels that other people put on us, and they're not judgments. Those labels that they put on us are so that they can sort of put a pin in it. So, for example, when, when I came out as transgender, you know, and people look like a dog in a high-pitched noise, you know, <laughs> they're trying to figure out what is this thing that doesn't make any sense. And so they just kind of put a a pin in it and they put this label on you then that says transgender with a big question mark right and when they put that label on and they're not trying to be judgmental but they never look below that label they they lose the curiosity of it because they put on it you know this is weird this is strange this is something i don't know about and it doesn't seem to fit into my world so that's one kind of label the other kind of label is the label that people put on us that we actually walk, along, walk around wearing, you know? Somebody says, you know, oh you're 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 a big geek, you're a big science fiction geek or a big IT geek or, you know, um, you're really beautiful, right? And we walk around with those labels. And some of them we wear really proudly like a peacock, and others we hide them. But we never realize that a, somebody else gave us that label, like going through school. I was a short, fat little redhead, and I got my butt kicked all the time, right? So I wore this label of victim, and when nobody noticed my victim label, I would go then put on another label called bully, and I would actually pick a fight so that I could actually feel the endorphins from my label, right? So there's labels that are underneath the labels that nobody really asked about, like You know, nobody asked me, and you and I talked about it, nobody really asked me about, I was a CEO for a major corporation. I've been the executive of a number of corporations. I've trained sales teams around the globe, and I've been an executive coach to executives, you know, pretty much around the world. But nobody asked me that. Now everybody wants to know about my label. Oh, you're transgender you know and it's really interesting to see how they do that the other type of label is the, the labels that we want to show people that we never bring to the front and those are the secret self labels you know so they're invisible even though we wear them th- they're invisible and the other set of labels is the ones that people put on our back when we're not around people put certain labels on us. And and a lot of times we never hear them directly. We hear them from other places or we sense them. You know what I mean? So there are a lot of different types of labels and most of them aren't actually about judgment. They're actually just that they didn't fit in with everything we learned about our past. That's why the present feels like it's evolving and changing so much is because you have so many people just tearing these labels off. And so when I go into a corporation or into an organization, they want me to speak on diversity and inclusion. I say, first and foremost, let's tear those two labels off because they're not actionable. And let's find out What's underneath that? you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I call it unlabeled. And when you actually are walking around more unlabeled and you stop putting labels on things, right, you actually then explore things more like a child would. So if I put a label on something, the label that I'm allowed to put on things is I'm curious or that's interesting. And when I do that, you look at it from a different part of the brain And you get a different idea as to whether or not it fits in. And that's the only way that you can actually be partial to something is if you've actually explored it. If you haven't explored it, right? How can you actually have an opinion?
1: Yeah. 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 Oh, darling. So well (laughs) said. So well said. I'm just thinking, you know, I'm just thinking as you're talking, even the label of good uh, versus bad, like with food. I remember when my daughter was little because I had a real problem with food. I always thought as a woman especially, I'm too fat, I'm too fat, I'm too fat, right, because yeah. there was this thing about women, you know, you've got to be thin and beautiful. So, of course, I, as I told myself I was too fat, I became fat because, you know, what you focus on you create. Sure. And, but when I said to myself as a young girl, I was too fat, I was totally skinny as anything, but I was comparing myself to the anorexic supermodel in the magazine. When my daughter was little, she said, is this good for me, mommy? Is this fattening? Is this?" A... And I just used to like tear those labels off and say, do you like it? And she'd go, I like it. I said, if you like it, it's good for you.
0: Exactly.
1: And it totally worked with her. Yeah. So she listens to her body. And sometimes she'll just eat junk food and sometimes she'll just have to have greens and sometimes Mm. she she wants meat and sometimes she can't stand meat. You know, like it's just like she's listening to her body, which which is unlabeled, and not the labels. And so it's such a wise way to live. You know, it is because you're that, listening to your intuition you're listening to your wisdom of your body of yourself of you know of your soul yeah it's such as yeah. not the labels
0: well that's what I was saying um when I said you know when you're born and and labeled right and you live this 50 percent life until you make a decision when I started you know going I want to live more fully expressed. And I started thinking about the things that I liked in my life, not because I was a boy, but because I really enjoyed them. I gave gave up fitness. So now I'm actually back and I'm doing a lot of CrossFit workouts and and just really enjoying it so much. Um, I played in a band for a long time. And so, you know, I have my drum set that I got back out and I've gone and played on it a few times again now. Um, You know, and I went... Now I'm taking that whole idea of gender off of it, so we've taken off the one of age, right? And if there's no age, why does there have to be one called gender? Totally. So, and that has actually even gone over into how I look at, you know, because people will say to me, "Do you like men or women in relationships?" And I've actually gone along with more of a the idea of what's called pansexual. Pansexual, yeah. And, And pansexual is really, you know. I like people, and you know, when you can see their energy and you can see their heart, and you really enjoy being around someone, yeah, you really go, Oh my gosh, you know, I really love talking with you, Karen, but I'm sorry, you're a woman, I can't, you know, and that's what a lot of people have a tendency to do. But you know, how do we change thousands and thousands and thousands of years of civilization? Yeah, I think that that's what people get most afraid of instead of saying what's right, like your daughter did, for me in my life now? Yeah. You know? That yeah. way you drop, you drop a lot of the past baggage. Yeah. Yeah, and that feels good. Well, I really believe the younger generation
1: of bringing through that wisdom. Uh, you know, I mean, we go, you know, we're all up in arms about people changing genders, you know, and we carry on with all this, you know, oh, my God. But the younger generation are just more androgynous. They're just more... Yeah. They're more maybe, you know, living their secret self. They're more connected to soul. And I think that as we evolve as a human race, that will just become more and more, you know, like the whole label, the whole difference between men and women. It will just shift into more just a being as opposed to either or. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. What feels right? Cause they're, to you. Cause there's, there's, you're right. There is no good and there is no bad. You know, we, it's just a set of labels, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And if Definitely. somebody told you forever, it was bad or that it was good. You just, you either did it if it was good or you never went near it. If it was bad, you know? So. Yeah. Well, exactly. I mean, that's the
1: perspective of broader perspective or of soul or of source. I mean, Experience is experience. I mean, one would say that being sick is bad. And yet, you know, through the sickness, I've learned to love, I've learned to accept more. I, you know, so how was that a bad experience? Yes, it hurt. And yes, it was terrible. Or death. Death is bad. But through the death experience of my loved one, yeah. I learned about who I am as a soul, who I am as an eternal being. I learned that there is no death. You know, how could I label that experience as bad when I found out so much about who I really am?
0: Yeah. So,
1: Who are we to say what's good or what's bad?
0: Well, let's face it, you know, if you don't listen to spirit, if you don't listen to your intuitions, if you're not actually being aware in the world, spirit can get very unkind and it will actually force you to actually see what you're supposed to be doing, you know? It just does. And we go, oh my gosh, that was a really harsh thing, you know, to to experience. And spirit is going, I gave you like five warning shots, you know? <laughs> so I, I think it's funny when people say, Oh, my situation is really, you know, desperate. It's like that's not a problem. All you have to do is listen in better, and you'll actually, you know, start to get the clues sooner. But I think it's really important, and, and and you know this as well. I'm preaching to the choir here, that the sooner you start to realize that. You have to have some type of connection. You don't have to have this, you know, religious belief or any type of spiritual belief, you know, or to join a, a group or anything. You just have to realize that what's actually keeping you going. And some people will say your heart. I say, okay, well, what's keeping your heart going? Mm-hmm. You know, because if I take the energy out of you that's actually keeping your heart beating, guess what? <laughs> You're done. You know? So I think it's a matter of really finding that connection to yourself and trusting it. Trust is so important. And I I don't think I ever realized it as much as when I started going through transition.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Trust, yeah. Listening and trust. You know, I've just had a conversation with uh, Peter McIntosh who retired as as a successful businessman and he and his wife, retired and they started meditating they found their spirituality he got a message from source to build a couple of sound pyramids in bali and it was going to cost him a few million dollars and it's like yeah okay i'll do it you know he trusted that yeah, yeah. And he's just about finished that. That was the last conversation I had. So, yeah. trust is such a big one. So, it's, trust that secret self, trust
0: that soul self, trust that. Oh, yeah. Self. Yeah. It's you do. Serious. And when you do, when you do trust it, you actually find patience. You know, the, the people say that, you know, they know all these goals that they want. Um, I actually have three goals. That's it. I'm always looking to maintain my patience. Uh And I don't mean patience with people like, you know, I'll get angry or something, patience with myself, because sometimes we want something so much that we actually start to push it forward. And we change the energy. And when you change that energy... You don't even know what you've added to the it's you know to the cake batter you could have put you know you know you think you're putting in chocolate and it's you know it's black paint you know <laughs> because we don't realize that when we're pushing on something we change that and so patience is a is a big goal for me um the other one is peace, and peace to me is is external, and I want my world to be in a sense of peace so that it actually has peaceful relationships I'm peaceful in my choices. And I'm peaceful in my experience. That doesn't mean that they're good experiences or good relations or good choices. It's just that I want to be peaceful even if I make a poor choice that, you know what, there's something that's actually coming out of that or a poor relationship or a poor experience. And the third one is um, I actually look for harmony within my three selves, right? Within my body, within my mind, and within my spirit. So it took quite a while for me to actually get my body to accept what my spirit already knew and what my mind was already experiencing. And my body was like, oh my God, but I've been male for so long. How do I do this? And once I started to get that shift happening, then my mind and my body started to connect and my spirit just smiled. It was quite beautiful. But when the three of them are doing the same things together as as they're doing separately. That was really the the goal of getting that harmony and that tunement, that in alignment. So those are my three goals. That's really all I strive for now. Even in my business, when I'm working on marketing for clients or going to do a presentation, I'm always connecting with the audience. Because a lot of times people think my journey is so different, so far-fetched. But when they start to hear, like what we're talking about in our conversation, all of a sudden it becomes more of a mirror. It becomes more of a reminder of the things that are possible, you know, the negative things as well as the positive. And so that's my peace in the world and connection. That's what I actually strive for.
1: Oh, darling, that's so beautiful. I hope that people that are listening to this, I hope that you strive for that too you know you reconnect or you connect or find a stronger connection with your secret self and have harmony between all those aspects of you yeah Yeah. Yeah. joanna ferrari it's been so beautiful to talk with you today thank
0: you i've really enjoyed this karen and i really appreciate you bringing me out a little bit (laughs) how wonderful blessings darling thanks so much absolutely
1: and thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed today, be sure to check out some more of our conversations on Accentuate the Positive Radio. You can go to the podcasts on iTunes and YouTube. We're also on Stitcher Radio and all sorts of places. You'll find us there. Thanks again. Bye for now. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for joining me for another show, Accentuating the Positive here on the home of Conscious Music, Soul Traveller Radio. Remember to support... Conscious music, consciousness. Go to Soul Traveller Radio on Facebook and Accentuate the Positive Radio with Karen Swain on Facebook. Check out my website, KarenSwain.com, for any readings and teachings available about spiritual, deliberate creation for the change makers, difference makers, and disruptors. Catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye for now.